You're listening to the College Age Movement Podcast. Hey guys, hope that you are doing wonderful this week. We are in part two of our series, Whitewash Tombs. This series started last week and it's based out of a scripture found in the book of Matthew where Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious elite of the time, and he's saying, hey, on the outside you look great, like you look like you have it all put together, but on the inside you are full of everything dead and detestable. You're like a whitewashed tomb, and it can be really easy for us to cast judgment and look at the Pharisees and the Sadducees of biblical times and be like, yeah, those guys were terrible, but if we're being honest with ourselves, there are areas of our lives that would be considered whitewashed tombs, that on the outside, that part of our life looks like it's really put together, that we're doing really well, it looks good, but on the inside, we are full of some things that uh, need some serious work, and so last week, we talked about hypocrisy. If you missed that, you can check that out in part one of this series, and This week, we are going to talk about something um, that we all struggle with on one level or another, and that's this, is pride. Um, This series is specifically designed to look at sin issues, and it, it can be really easy for us to start to feel guilty, but just like with any sermon or um, any group of messages that we talk through, I think it's really important that we are challenged and encouraged. Never, It's never intended to cause guilt. And, and I just want to make that really, really clear. Uh, conviction and guilt are not the same thing. And as we're walking through this where we're specifically looking at sin areas, um, it can be easy to be like, wow, I struggle with that, that, and that. And it's like, yeah, we all do on some level. And we want to not. So we are working in tandem with each other. We are getting into scripture. We are in prayer. We are doing all those things to become just a little bit more like Jesus. So as we talk about pride, it presents itself in a ton of different ways, and we could probably do an entire series on just the concept of pride. But I want to look at a few different passages in and see how uh, pride just plays a role in our lives on a regular basis. Jeremiah chapter 9 verses 23 through 24 says this this is what the lord says let not the wise boast of their wisdom or the strong boast of their strength or the rich boast of their riches but let the one who boasts boast about this that they have the understanding to know me that i am the lord who exercises kindness justice and righteousness on earth for in these i de- for in these i delight declares the lord the first point of this week is directed pride directed pride. Pride is naturally going to come up in our lives. That's a given. How we direct that pride is what is going to make a huge difference in our lives. A question that we have to ask ourselves is like, do we have the capacity to point to Jesus in the midst of our situations that cause that pride to swell up within us? I think a way that we develop that capacity is to shift focus from earned to given, from earned to given. And here's what I mean. When we understand that everything in our life is given to us, not earned, we push the focus off of us and on to Jesus. And I'm not trying to minimize your hard work. I'm not trying to minimize my hard work or effort or your effort or whatever. But but an earning mentality propels us to think about the things that we believe that we deserve because of our effort. It propels us to think about the things that we believe that we deserve because of our effort. That's what an earning mentality propels us towards. A given mentality creates in us a posture of thankfulness. Jesus becomes the first thing that we point to. Not something that, that sits on the back burner, but the first thing that we point to is Jesus. 
we avoid unhealthy pride by understanding on a foundational level that what we deserve is an eternity separated from Jesus. What we've been given is an opportunity to spend eternity in his presence. So if we're going to live with an earned mentality, we better understand what we've actually earned, what our sin has actually earned in our lives. But what we've been given is grace. What we've been given is love. What we've been given is forgiveness. So let's live with a given mentality, not an earned mentality. I also think it's important to point out the difference between confidence and pride. And the difference always comes down to where things are being directed. If the attention goes to me, it's easy to classify classify that as pride. If it goes to Jesus and what Jesus is doing in me and what Jesus is doing through me, then that can be confidence in who God has created us to be in the gifts and talents that he has given us. Identifying pride in our lives is probably the most difficult thing to do, and none of us look forward to doing the hard work that it requires. But if we want to be faithful to Jesus and try to be more like him, we must do the hard work. We must have the hard internal processes that would be like, hey, is this prideful? Am I working through some pride right now? We have to be willing to do the hard work. So as we do that internal assessment, what are some markers that we can be on the lookout for? How does pride show up? One way is this, fault finding. Fault finding. Last week, we talked about the passage of Matthew that talks about removing the plank from your own eye before removing the speck of dust in your brother's eye. But that isn't the only verse that warns us against finding fault in the people around us. Ephesians 4.29 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Fault finding creates in us an unhealthy mentality that I don't think any of us would really volunteer to have. It's bitter, it's resentful, it's full of comparison. And we have guardrails in our lives and the ways that Christ has called us to think and speak. And and those guardrails will help us avoid exactly that. Like fault finding will be killed in our lives if we can find the correct guardrails to walk in the path that Jesus has called us to. And this passage gives us a couple questions to find those guardrails. The first one would be this. Am I building others up? Am I building others up? First of all, it's impossible to build someone up without either one speaking to them or two, speaking highly of them. Let me say that again. It's impossible to build someone up without speaking to them or speaking highly of them. If we are finding fault in someone and walking it through an internal dialogue or we're talking to someone else negatively about someone, that is just judgment. They are not being built up. They are not being challenged in love. So if we are going to talk about someone, it should be to them or it should be praising them or building them up in the eyes of the people around us. So if we're brave enough to speak into someone's life, is it causing encouragement? Is it causing confidence? Is it is it filled with a challenge that is rooted in love that will cause a stronger foundation in that person? If it isn't, we need to kill those types of actions and thought processes in our lives. Am I building others up? The second question that we can ask to find the guardrails that Jesus has set out to, to help us avoid fault finding and pride is this. Are my words a benefit to those who listen? Are my words a benefit to those who listen? I hope that you have a person or people in your life that you could identify as someone who has always had something beneficial to say. I have been blessed throughout my life to have people in in my life that speak truthfully and speak honestly. And I always think of one of my buddies, Ryan. He was a supervisor, a boss of mine when I was interning here at the church, but we had a relationship before that. We have a relationship still now. But what I loved about Ryan is that he never held his punches. 
that he knew that hard conversations needed to happen for me to be built up, for me to to benefit. And he also knew that I needed to be encouraged and loved. And so he always spoke the truth, even if it was hard to hear. And there have been other people in my life that have done the exact same thing. And I would not be who I am today without those people. Their encouragement, their challenges, uh, their love, all of those things were absolutely detrimental in the transformation and the growth of me as a follower of Jesus, as a husband, as a dad, like so many areas of my life would not be what they are without people who are willing to speak words of benefit. I think it can be hard to find balance, to either find people who are going to do that or be someone for others that are going to do that. But we have to be people who are rooted in love and are always for the people around us. We aren't called to tear down. We are called to build up. We are called to speak words of benefit. So ask yourself the question, are the words that I speak a benefit to those who listen? And if they're not, then do the work so that you can speak truth. You can speak grace, you can speak love rooted in Jesus. See, when we are not building others up or benefiting others with our words, it often comes down to comparison. And comparison is usually us trying to make ourselves look better at the cost of someone else. And that is pride. And I think that a way that we avoid comparison is to look at Romans 3.23 and use that as the lens. Like It simply says this, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You're broken. I'm broken. You're messy. I'm messy. You're imperfect. I'm imperfect. Cool. Well, let's walk this out together. My sin might look different than yours. My life might look different than yours, but we are all on the same playing field. And if I understand at the most foundational part of my life that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, it is because of his grace that we've been saved. It's because of his grace that we can have confidence then we can be on the same level. And I can look at you and say, yep, you're awesome. I love you. Let's walk this life out together. That's how we avoid fault finding and pride. Another way that pride presents itself is superficiality. Superficiality. I want to follow that up immediately with a question. Are we more concerned with what people think of us or what God thinks of us? Are we more concerned with what people think of us or what God thinks of us. The truth is this, is that we often adjust our behavior for others before we adjust our hearts for Christ. We often adjust our behavior for others before we adjust our hearts for Christ. Superficiality compels us to look a certain way, but Jesus compels us to be a certain way. I don't know about you, but I don't want to look holy. I want to be holy. I don't want to look loving. I want to be loving. I don't want to look authentic. I want to be authentic. Pride pushes us towards becoming something fake, but Jesus draws us in towards something real. And even if real is broken, it is better than superficiality. It's better than superficially having it all together. And I don't know about you, but I want to be around a ton of people who are real and honest and authentic and identify the brokenness in their life than a bunch of people who are like, no, I've got it. I'm the perfect Christian. I'm the perfect follower of Jesus. And I don't really do anything wrong. And, and sin isn't really an issue for me. It's like, okay, cool. Well, it is for me. So you step like keep stepping. I will stay here and I will find a community of people who are willing to be raw and honest and vulnerable about their lives. Psalm chapter 139, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is an offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. 
Jesus knows us. Jesus knows you. It doesn't matter what role we want to try to play to the world. Jesus knows us. We cannot trick God. Would we be people who embrace the fact that we don't have to posture or pose or or try to convince Jesus that we love him? He loves us right here in the middle of the mess. We don't have to posture or pose for the love of Jesus. And would our prayer be the prayer that is echoed in Psalm 139? Search me. Know me. Have your way. Have your way with my life and lead me. Identify any offensive way in me. Help me get rid of that and lead me in the way everlasting. And and when we are led in the way of Jesus, we can't help but shed the whitewashed outside and let people see the transformed inside. The last way I want to look at ways that pride pops up is defensiveness. How many of us hear that and ironically say, well, I'm not defensive. (laughs) I'm so guilty of it. I would never identify myself as defensive until someone says something and I'm, I'm quick to be just that we become defensive because our humanity drives us to protect our honor but our lives aren't supposed to be about gaining honor but giving honor giving honor to jesus and giving honor to others i've had the opportunity over the last couple days i've been sitting in on this online conference it's called the infusion bible conference and it has these three men who are smarter than i will ever be they are brilliant theologians and pastors and communicators and they're walking through just context of the roman world during the life of paul And it's been fascinating. And it is just like, this is the type of conference it is. I don't know if you've gone to a conference before. Usually they give you like a booklet that's like, here's the speaker. And here's like a little bit of what they're talking about. And then here's a room to take notes. What we got for this conference was 162 pages of outlines. Like just like historical, contextual, cultural, just everything that you need to know. It's amazing. It's dense, but it's so, so good. But one of the things that we talked about or they talked about, I listened was this idea of why the Roman government, why the Roman world hated Christians. And for the longest time, we've accepted the fact that like, well, Rome, like Caesar said, like, you're going to call me the son of God and you are going to bow your knee to me. And Christians were like, no, Jesus is the son of God. We're going to bow our knee to him. And like, that was the big tension. And it was a tension, no doubt. But one of the most crazy transformational things that Christians did is that they assigned dignity to people that the Roman government did not assign dignity to women, children, slaves. And so Jesus came in and jacked everything up because they would have love feasts. They would have dinners where they're like, we don't care who you are. We don't care what position you hold. We don't care what your race is. We don't, we don't care. Let's have dinner together and let's talk about Jesus. And it absolutely destroyed a world that was built on and maintained by people staying in their lane. And Paul and Jesus said, no, no, people aren't going to stay in their lane. We're going to break into their lanes. We're going to tell them about the love of Jesus. We're going to tell them about this, the sacrifice that Jesus made. We are going to tell them about how much God loves them. We are going to tell them things that they've never heard before. And that's why the Roman government was scared is because the followers of Jesus assigned honor and dignity, not just to Jesus, but to the people around them. They put their own selfish ambitions, their own human pride aside and said, you have worth the same amount of worth as me first peter chapter 5 verse 5 says in the same way you who are younger submit yourself to your elders all of you listen to this clothe yourselves with humility towards one another clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because god opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble humility will be the thing that helps us fight defensiveness humility will be the thing that helps us fight pride 
we rarely find humility naturally. It's something that has to be sought out and it has to be refined in us and it will take desperate prayers and intentional effort. But as Peter writes this passage, he is acknowledging that humility is layered and two of the ways that humility is layered is this. Humility is a posture. Humility is a posture. Clothe yourselves. Clothe yourselves in humility. We are called to wear it around every single day. It needs to go with us into every situation and every scenario. Secondly, Paul says this, humility toward one another. So it's this, humility is a posture and humility is not passive. Humility is not passive toward one another. It's actionable. It isn't just a place that we camp out. It is something that we extend to others with purpose in our lives. Humility is tangible. When we put others in front of ourselves, before ourselves, it is tangible. Humility is a posture. Humility is not passive. It is active. It is something that we do. It is a posture. It is something that we become. It is active. It is something that we do. It is a posture. It's something that we become. So let's take time again this week to self-assess how is pride presenting in my life. Maybe it's external and people have talked to us about being prideful. Maybe it's hidden in our hearts and it's eating us from the inside out. Whatever it may be, we need to do some self-assessment. We need to identify pride because once we identify it, we can kill it. And if we can do that, we'll find ourselves closer to peace, closer to health, and most, impo- most importantly, closer to Jesus. Thank you for listening to the College Age Movement Podcast. College Age Movement's in-person gatherings meet Tuesday nights at 7, and we would love to have you there. If you are unable to join us in person, you can engage online at faithchapel.cc or follow us on our socials at collegeagemvmt.